God, I just thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for all of our first-time guests this morning, our friends. Thank you for our church family, God, or Ohana. We're so thankful to be a church that has the opportunity to gather here at Wright State today to worship you, to be encouraged, strengthened together as one in and with you. We want you, God. We ask that you would pour out your love on us this morning, that you would guide us with your truth, that you would empower us, Holy Spirit, encounter us. And we ask that not just for H2O, but AIA, IFI, Crew, Chi Alpha, Christians on Campus, the Gospel Choir, Rock Campus Fellowship, the High Praise Dance Team, the Chinese Christian Fellowship, CMC, Ratio Christi, and just all the Bible studies and other ministries that are here on campus, where your kingdom is expanding where your family is growing, hallelujah. We ask that for all of our co-church plants in Ohio, uh, like, like at Athens, we thank you for them. Lord, we also uh, just wanna lift up our other H2O churches in the network. We pray for our partner and surrounding churches in Dayton and throughout the world. And uh, we would ask that you would use us to bring revival to see your kingdom come, your dream come true today. God, we have a couple prayer requests. We wanna lift up Matt Party. He's our elder here at this church. He's up, a pastor up at uh, H2O Bowling Green. He's also a pastor of the network, and he's got pneumonia, and he's got COVID. And we're just asking for full healing and restoration, strengthen his body, strengthen his lungs, his heart, and get his body, just like you calm the storm in the sea, get all of his body, the storm that's going on there, all the levels to come to a place of peace and strengthen his body. Thank you for that. Lord, we also pray for our students taking finals this week. Be with them. Give them just a, a renewing and encouragement, a place where it's, there's no stress. They're too blessed to be stressed. Remind them that and help them finish the semester strong. Lord, we also want to lift up our persecuted brothers and sisters today all over the world. Comfort and strengthen them as they share and live out the gospel because you're worthy. Thank you, God, for our church family around the world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 All right. Well, today we're taking a break from Luke. We've been going through Luke all semester uh, in our house churches. We've been going chapter by chapter, and we have 12 more chapters that we're going to pick back up in the springtime, and we're going to uh, go for it there. It's going to be a great time finishing out that, that gospel, and um, we're just excited about what God has in store for next semester, but... As we close out the fall, we're also going to be entering into our winter break series at the same time. And we're taking a journey throughout the Bible to look at a few incredible accounts of God's love and faithfulness that allow us to see Jesus in even a greater light. Um, our goal is that we would know the word. We want to be a people who know the word. We just don't listen to it on YouTube. Somebody else talk about it. We know it and love to listen to it because it's going to be the first place God speaks to us. It's me preferring to hear my wife over somebody talking about my wife. I want to go and pursue God and hear him speak directly to me. And check it out. We, some people are like, oh, man, that's hard to read my Bible. It's hard to understand it sometimes. Man, there's communication uh, obstacles with anybody, any relationship, any friendship. It's important that we press through and we learn, we learn how to commune with God through his word. The other thing I want to do is, through this time is that uh, we would see through the lens of God's love that it is so personal, so filled with passion and a heart that is to be, in, be all in in a relationship with you and I. This is the greatest love story and battle ever fought for when we look at Genesis to Revelation. 
Jesus is the embodiment of God's love and heart for us. And it cannot be contained. As great as Jesus' life is here on earth and as much love and glory is displayed in Jesus, the fullness of God's glory, really the big picture is when we look at it in context to the rest of the word. And God's love has been pouring out. His word has been spoken so many times as it builds up to the manifestation of Jesus Christ being born here on earth, living here, dying and raising from the dead as our Lord and Savior. So that's what I hope these next couple weeks will do as we think about who Jesus is and uh, this season of just generosity. And we want to look at God's generosity in an amazing way. When we look at Jesus in the Gospels, as awesome as he is, I dare to say we'll miss out on the magnitude of his love if we don't see it in context of God's love for us in the Old Testament. Paul knew this by writing Romans, and he sprinkles it in his letters throughout the word, and you'll see it here and there. But today, as we enter this uh, you know, Christmas season, we see the Son of Man being born. The perfect lamb of God, the atonement of man's sins, it's all over the place. It's this little baby in a manger. What's it all about? Who is this Messiah who's rescued us? And really, I want us to remember why he's rescued us. Because I feel like so, for so many of us, the good news starts with chapter one of each gospel. If I were to ask you, what's the gospel? How many of us are we going to start with? Well, Jesus was born. You see, there's so much more. That was only good news when you know the rest of the story. And that's what I want to dive into this morning. Jesus was born, the word wrapped in flesh. This image is filled with God's love, but as amazing as this good news is, it becomes life-changing news when we see why. So because of this, I really felt led, like preparing for this message, that I should pray Ephesians 4, 17 through 21 over you this morning as we really just encounter God. So I'm just gonna read this over you um, today. So I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, let's venture into this series. Open up your Bibles to Genesis. An old pastor, uh, one of my old, from, from the church I grew up, did this. I love this. But go ahead. Let's, I'm just, I feel like I need to be engaged this morning. I'm so excited about this. I love Genesis. So let's hold our Bibles up over our head, your phone, whatever you got for the word, and repeat after me. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. This is God's holy word. I have what it says I have. I am who it says I am. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. It can do what it says I can do. It is infallible. It's infallible. Incorruptible. Incorruptible. It's the word of the living God. It's the word of the living God. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ooh, come on. Let's let's get those motors revved up this morning. So turn to Genesis chapter 2, and uh, while you do this, I just want to share, I love Genesis. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's in a historical account that God gave Moses while in fellowship with him on the mountain as he would visit Moses while traveling through the desert to the promised land. Now get a picture of this. It's in Exodus 33, 9 through 11. You could write that down. But it says this, as Moses went into the tent 
the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance of this tent. Now imagine that, this cloud from heaven coming down to meet Moses at the, the, this tent. And it says here, whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. Mm. Up to this point, there were some historical accounts of what happened. I want you to know that Genesis is not the, old, the oldest book of, uh, of history out there. There are Babylonian, there are Greek historical accounts. There's all kinds of accounts of what happened uh, you know, from creation up to this point. But God is the one who leads his people with truth. And he sits down with Moses and says, let me give you an account of what really happened. Okay? So there's other accounts of the flood. There's all this stuff. But God says, Moses, let me give you this book, Genesis, the beginning. And this is what we're looking at. And Genesis is an unlike any other piece of literature in history, especially chapter one. Talk to me later for more about that. Chapter one is amazing. There's nothing else written like it in history. But unlike any other ancient manuscripts of epic proportions, Genesis is a narrative with detailed recorded geography, genealogy, science, and history to be taken carefully into account and not carelessly as tainted with fiction. I hear this more than anything else when I talk with young people today about the books of the Old Testament, but especially Genesis, that it's more like the Iliad. It's more like one of those fictional things that are about real life circumstances. But it's sad. And I'm not going to say if you don't believe in all of Genesis, you know, you're dying and going to hell. But I am saying that's going to make it really hard for you to be a Christian if you don't trust God. You see, if Jesus referenced Genesis as truth and will judge those in his days based off that being truth, then it must be truth. This book is truth. But if it's not, that makes God a horrible judge and Jesus a liar. So just take that into account as we look at the accounts in Genesis. The other thing is, is that man, God's ways are far above man's ways. And we want to be willing to stand before God as protectors of the truth, despite our culture standing up and being skeptical of this truth. And it cracks me up. I'm always sharing with skeptics of Genesis. How many truths do you need for history, history to be true? Just the creation of man and woman, which has been deemed fictional by historians within the past century, are now faced with non-Christian medical science showing we have minerals and elements in our body that are only found in surface level dirt. Do you know you have gold in your body? Traces of gold? Traces of onyx? Do you know you have traces of elements that are surface, not deep level dirt, but surface level dirt? Hmm. It's interesting because that's the only account where God shapes man out of the dirt, historically. The other one, the rib bone. This was in your lifetime. This was in the last decade. And you could read this in the scholastic medical journal today. I'm not going to tell you anything that you can't find in something that's scholastic or, or scholarly, whatever, however you say it. I don't know. <laughs> but the rib bone is one of the major stem cell harvesting places in the human body. 
You could pretty much reproduce almost anything from a human being from the stem cells you could find in the rib bone, which is kind of scary, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> the other thing is, is that within the last 10 years, they found out that the rib bone is the only body bone in the body that will grow back. Look it up. It's the only bone. God doesn't remove something and make something and design something that can't be healed and restored, and he's designed it that way. He took something that he designed to be fully restored and made whole. Adam was lacking nothing when he removed the rib bone after that to create Eve. But see, science, this was all fiction. How many bones? How, where, where are my medical students? How many bones do you have in your body? Huh? 206. 206 bones. He, it could have been mentioned any bone, but it was the rib bone. Come on. <laughs> Coincidence? I think. I got mad respect for all the medical field. She loved going through nursing because it just blew her away of how real God was. Amen? So when we look at this, I don't want you to come into Genesis as a skeptic, uh, as a skeptic, but really willing to trust in something that could be life-changing this morning. If you look at it as history, God wanting you to know what really happened. Amen? So we're going to venture into this series, Genesis. Come on. Uh, let's see here. Genesis, blah, blah, blah. Yep, I got there. Uh, yep. Talk to me if you want to talk more about Genesis. I can do it all day long. Okay, on to Genesis chapter 2. I know some of you guys are there. Uh, we're going to start off in verse 4. Let me give you a little context. In chapter 1, this was a chapter 1 was this big grand picture of God going through six days of creating everything on earth and saying it was good. Man and woman were created on the sixth day, and a couple verses into chapter 2, the account backs up with a common transition we see in the communication art of traditional storytelling. And we journey into an account of the sixth day. It, it, it's a beautiful way to tell a story. Uh, back in the day, this is as common. You tell the big narrative, and then you back up and focus. And so Genesis chapter 2, we're going to dive into a focused a view of the story of the sixth day. We're going to start at verse four. So follow with me. These are the generations, right? People, generations of heaven and the earth when they were created in the day of the Lord or in the day the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And the mist was going up from the land and was watering the ground and uh, watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord planted a garden in the east. And in the east, there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made it to spring up every tree that's pleasant to the sight and good for food. Come on, decor. Who loves decor? <laughs> the tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of the Eden to the garden and the area divided became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Hevelum, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. 
And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, boom, 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 to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely, what? Die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heaven and every beast of the field. But to, for Adam there was no helper found, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he, uh, while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Praise God. Okay. So let's pause and get this, all right? There's no land of the field that's been worked yet. Basically, there's no fields tilled up. It's straight, glorious creation filled with trees and wilderness. That's all there right now. The adventure of the great outdoors is here. This is no farm. No man was there to farm it. No shrub of the field. Nothing like that. This was straight up rugged and wild. And God creates man using, uh, using this dirt in the wild. And up to this point, he shaped the world with his word. He spoke all these things in creation in, 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 up to this point, up to day five. But day six, we see him getting dirty. We're getting to see him hands-on, personally sculpting, getting there to create this miracle of man. And I sculpt. I'm a potter. I'm a sculptor. I'm an artist. I love doing this kind of stuff. And you take your time with sculpture. You take your time adding clay, subtracting it. You do, it you're, you're brushing it. It's totally hands-on. We have a saying in our community. It's just called fun in the dirt. And Michelangelo, one of my favorite artists, he sculpted a statue out of marble, um, uh, of he's, yeah, a statue of Moses, and in this statue, it is like one of the most beautiful masterpieces out there of sculpting a human being. You can see the veins in his arm, in his neck, and stuff like that. It's just a, a beautiful, miraculous thing. Anatomic. And Michelangelo is noted to kicking the statue after he made it and said, "Speak to me." It's that real looking. I get kicked out of museums for touching statues. I mean, they're just like, it's amazing. But see, that wasn't the case. Michelangelo's statue didn't speak, but for God, it wasn't the case. You see, God came down and he leans into this freshly created sculpture and his lips touch the lips of this sculpture and he breathes into this dirt and the very breath of God now resides in this work of art and man comes alive. His first breath breathed in. First thing he needed for life 
was taken in and given by God himself. You feel the energy in that? This is overwhelming, right? This is intimate. This is not God, some distant God doing something and letting man figure it out on his own. It's up close and personal. And Adam's eyes open for the first time. And God's not leaning back, he's right there. The first thing Adam sees is the stark piercing eyes of his creator, his maker filled with joy and wonder, just like you do when you look into the eyes of your loved one. I had the joy of looking into my baby boys when my boys were little babies and looking at them and they would just stare at me. They'd stare at Carrie, their mom, and just, just look. There's so much energy in that moment. There's so much going on. And see, Adam wasn't created as a baby. He was created mature like the rest of the world was created in maturity. And he was able to create a place where he's cognitive. So his mind is thinking and turning and beginning to reason immediately, filtering everything through the lens of these eyes that love him. And God pulls back like any loving father, give him room and smiles. And he's like, you see this, look at two hands were made in my image. We, two hands, two eyes, you could speak to me. All this thing, all this is going on on day six. Boom, everything is there in the creator's eyes, looking at it with such joy, affirmation, hope, and love. God is so excited, like any good dad, he knows it's not good for man to be alone. And he builds up insight to the need for someone else. It's such a dad move, what he does here. You know, he just doesn't give woman, like, woman to him right away. It's like he got to build this anticipation up. And God, like, I love to get gifts for Shepherd and Griffin. Any parent does. Even the, Jesus said, like, how much do your earthly fathers love to give good gifts? Same thing. God begins doing what he didn't do the first five days where he spoke so many animals into existence. Now he's creating some animals out of the dirt, showing creativity, all this stuff. Here, let's, let's make this. And it says, is the beast of the field. A lot of people, a lot of scholars will say, this is where dogs and cats which is debatable, uh, cows and chickens are these creatures that you have a personal like connection with. And it's like, oh, they're interacting with you, son. Look it. And there's this beautiful relationship going on. And he creates all these beasts. But Adam, it finally hits him. He's missing something. He gets it. There was no helper fit or like him. Adam has a need and only God can meet that need best. Remember that, young people. Only God can meet that need that you have best. He knows it. He was anticipating it with great excitement. And now in the garden, this beautiful garden, God caused Adam to sleep. And this is where he creates woman. He took a rib bone, a bone that protects the heart of a man. And from Adam, personally, God created his most epic beautiful creature, the pinnacle of all his beauty in creatures created on earth up to this point, the last thing he created was woman. A beautiful display of all of his beauty to pursue and be acknowledged more than anything else here on earth. And it's beautiful because it doesn't say how long he took to wake up Adam, but I just know he's a good dad. And so I'm sure there was some daughter-father time 
He made the garden, walking around, maybe giving her some flowers and showing her. And see, because of her time with the Father, it will help to find her time and appreciation with her treasured gift, her husband. It was unique for both of them. And she was excited. And Adam wakes up and is like, whoa, man. I mean, woman, he, he bust out in poetry. It's like me, my baby, let just babe. And now he's like, woman, boom, my boom, flesh of my flesh, mic drop, boom. What else can be said? It's beautiful. He took woman, and when we come together in marriage, there's this beautiful union like that comes together, and it's back to one. He designed this to be a blessing for his kids. He's such a good God. Wow, such incredible love that takes my breath away every time I read this account. Now, here's the one thing, you guys. Genesis 3 starts off with the earth having this crafty, cunning beast, a serpent, an enemy to God and now to man. And we don't know if this is specifically Satan himself or Satan using this creature or beast. Um, we've been around the world, voodoo, they do possess animals and stuff like that. It's crazy. Uh, you can talk to us after that, afterwards about all that stuff. But we do know that Satan is on the earth. In fact, Jesus said he witnessed Satan falling to earth like lightning. And there is an enemy on this earth. Revelations 12, 9 uh, and uh, where else? Some, what, Revelation 12, 9 uh, notes that he is an angelic beast called the great dragon. And it's not the only place in the Bible, but he's a dragon. Lucifer's not just like a man, like angel. He's a dragon. And, uh, and so let's read this in Genesis 3, 1 through 15 real quick. Now think about this. There's an enemy here who can't stand God. And now he's like, oh, this creation that's been created to have a relationship with God. Now the serpent, more crafty than any other beast of the field that, God, that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, this, was, uh, this is the serpent talking, he said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any, of the tree, any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Let me just pause right there. Already they encountered God face to face. Already they encountered that they are made in his image. The likeness so much is right there. Everything needed to be in relationship. But the enemy is causing the woman to doubt that. So when woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and saw that the tree was good uh, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. And he ate, and the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And the Lord, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And I was naked. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. 
He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten the garden of the tree in which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said, the woman, what is this that you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field on your belly, you shall go and the dust you shall eat in the days, all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman he sh- uh, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head or crush your head and you shall crush his heel. Hmm. Digging into this. Can you imagine? Mm. This is a predator with my children. This is somebody coming up to my kids and starting to lie to them about mom and dad. Deceiving their view of the ones who love them more than anybody else on this planet. That boils my blood. Just the thought of that, I'd go to jail for my response. You know what I'm saying? Just the thought of it. And here is this cunning, crafty predator. Baba describes him as a lion seeking to kill, steal, and destroy everything in your life. And he convinces these two that God was withholding something. And what the enemy really did was expose their sinful nature. It would happen eventually, no matter what. But this accelerated it. It exposed their lack of ability to discern what is good or bad instead of trusting in God to share with them what is good and bad. This is the enemy. This is the message today that he shares with each of us. Did God really say that? Is Genesis really true? Is Jesus really, can he really rescue you from all your sins? Is he really faithful to wash you from all unrighteousness? Does he really want to spend time with you? Does he really want to unfold the best life that you could ever think of following him? Through highs and lows, you'll have a joy, really? In your valleys, you'll have a joy trusting in God? You see, that, that message is strong today. Is God withholding from you. Can you trust God? You're not fully loved or cared for. Can you imagine someone was caught telling your children that? Your mom and dad really don't love you. You can take care of yourself. There's things to do that. That bond, that relationship with God was broken that day. Look, God created man and woman for fellowship with him. We see that because he's in the walking throughout the garden, ready to spend time with his kids. Hey, Adam and Eve, where are you guys? It's time. It's family time. It's Ohana time. And they're hiding. I wanted to, I want to do some creating with you today. I want to create some things. I want to discover the wonders together of growing in a relationship with you and exploring the beauty that I've created here on earth. Let's go on an adventure today. But today they hid themselves in shame. And they were in a big mess. And when I say big mess, seriously, fig leaves cause a rash and irritation left on the skin. Talking about a mess, all right? But Papa Bear steps in with a promise and a plan to rescue his family. Physically, they did not die, but the Bible defines true death as being separated from God. This is death. 
Not just the one who could kill your earthly body, but the one who holds your eternal soul in his hands. It's something to think about. How do you define life? How do you define death today? And they were taken captive by sin, death, and a spiritual enemy. They literally, they were given rulership and authority to oversee the earth. But at that moment, as soon as they trusted in someone else, they could not discern for themselves. In fact, they didn't discover this thing on their own. They had an enemy share this with them. And so really what they did was they gave Satan the keys to the kingdom here on earth. The authority here on earth. He's a ruler and spiritual principality here on earth. He is noted as that in the Bible. This is his dominion right now. It's no longer man's. And so we see this enemy now with all this authority and God's children taken captive. We have a huge gap in our hearts, you guys, that can only be bridged to peace and love through God and his promise. This was the beginning of his plan unfolding right here. It wasn't a surprise, but boy, that doesn't mean the emotions weren't there at the moment. And he could already see it unfolding, how it was gonna take place. You guys, there's a lot of things in our life that you may try to fill to fill that gap in your heart. There might be work or relationships or stuff or money, whatever makes you feel secure in the moment. But I guarantee you, as you get older and older, you're gonna start questioning, how does this hold up? What does this really all mean? And God wants you to be wise. And wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, looking at life eternally, not just right now, right here. Now get this, his promise. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall crush your head and you shall crush his heel. This is Jesus, you guys. The woman has no seed. This passage in Isaiah 7, 14 is why Jesus is to be born of a virgin. This is a miracle and a direct intervention, direct and divine act of God saying, you are not alone. I'm not distant. I'm not far. I'm still Abba Papa pursuing you. We are still, I'm still going after my family and I will directly come down and face it. Oh, I'm about to read. I can't get ahead of myself. It is God tabernacling among men. That's who Jesus is, born of a virgin. This is a miracle. This is not some poor sexual fleeing by some Greek or Hindu or wild encounter with a deity from the, the past religions of old or anything like this. This is John chapter one, verse one through 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Genesis. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. You know, one of my favorite questions from my boys has been in the past as we go through Genesis chapter 1. Dad, if the sun wasn't there, where'd the light come from on the second day? Let the Bible define the Bible, people. So, you know, it's one of those things. Let the Bible define the Bible. Jesus was the light. I'm going to skip down to verse 9 real quick. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. 
He came to that which was his own, but even his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. You hear that? Restoring that which was lost in the garden. Children born not of natural descent. This wasn't a man laying with a woman to create this baby we see all over the place right now. This was not of human dissension or husband's will, but born of God. The Holy Spirit came down and put the word in Mary's belly and began wrapping flesh around it. The word was made into flesh and made his dwelling among us, tabernacle. We have seen his glory in the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. You guys, either it's full of grace and truth or it's just a sideline, you know, like that's cool. I don't believe all of it, all this stuff. It's grace and truth and we see it. Grace is we are unable to rescue ourselves. I see now in Genesis the need for that bridge over this gap, this catechism between me and my relationship that I was made for with God. This is, makes Jesus really good news right now. This makes Jesus life-changing news. This is the next thing God does in the story of Adam and Eve. It's the first sacrifice. He sheds blood, kills an animal, and covers them and their shame with the animal's skin. Wow, first sacrifice. Everybody's, I get so many questions. How did Abel know to give God a ram for an offering or a sheep for an offering and not vegetables? Well, it's right here. Jesus, God kicked it off this way. But see, that's a temporary sacrifice. Jesus is God's sacrificial lamb. God's only begotten son to be given as an atonement for all sin. Just as one man brought the curse of sin to all humanity, Jesus offers salvation and new life for all those who would believe and follow him. Putting him on and trusting him like someone putting on a parachute while the plane is falling. You got to follow the instructions, you guys, or the parachute just won't work, right? You got to be relationally involved. You know, I, 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 not everybody, not all men have emotional intelligence, right? And so I've coached some guys on like going after the girl. And, and sometimes we need coaching. We need that help. I needed that help. And so we see, uh, we see this here. Sometimes we need help going through the process of growing a relationship. And that's what discipleship is. That's why a community is so important. That's why you can't be the lone ranger following God. Get up with somebody. Let's do this as Ohana. That's how God chose to do this. If you do this, you'll be saved. No doubt about it. You'll look down the barrel. I've heard too many testimonies from brothers and sisters around the world. So confident as they look down the barrel of a gun. And said, deny this relationship with God. Deny Jesus Christ. Or go. Or I'll kill you. Testimonies echo. Of people saying, it's too real. It's too real. This isn't a God I just worship. He doesn't speak to me. This is a communion. I fellowship with this guy. He speaks to me. And just like I would stand and protect my wife and my children would stand boldly and defend my relationship with God. Will you? Will you today? Will you this season? This season talks a lot about Jesus being born. This season talks a lot about the great gift and generosity and stuff like that. 
Are we going to be generous with talking about our relationship with God? What's that look like? Remember this, you guys. I hear this today. God loves you. If he's speaking to your heart today and you're like, I've never heard this. Or maybe you've heard it a dozen times and you're like, this is resonating. Something's connecting. This is a relationship. It's not just about believing because you can believe in God and it doesn't change your life. It's the relationship aspect. I could believe that, uh, that Carrie exists and that she's amazing and beautiful, all this stuff. But unless I pursue in a relationship, there's nothing substantial. Even Jesus said, people will do miracles. They'll do all kinds of great things in my name. Yet when they see me, I'll say, depart from me. Israel had this issue. They did all the right festivals. They sang all the right songs. But God said, it's a stench to me because your heart is far from me. There's no relationship. It's got to be a relationship today. And if today you're like, I want this relationship, Ortega. I want you to come up to me after church. Choosing your heart right now. Just go for it like you're getting ready to go after the greatest relationship in your life. Have it restored. Take a leap of faith today. And if you're here today and you have that relationship with God, I want to encourage you. Go after your inheritance in Christ. See your relationship with God unfold to be the greatest adventure you have ever gone on. Go deep. Jump. Dream with God. Jump all in with whatever you do, whoever you're with, wherever you go. And if anyone says that your life is messy, you just need to tell them, excuse me for my mess. My God is faithfully doing a work to restore it to all of its glory. Repeat after me, you guys. Our God, Our God is a faithful God. Is a faithful God. He's a good Father. He's a good Father. He loves me. He loves me. Jesus. Jesus. Yes, come on. Turn to your neighbor and say,